You're listening to Damage Boost, the best gaming podcast you've ever heard, as long as you've never heard another gaming podcast. On the show, I'll be talking to other players, streamers, artists, and creators about what makes gaming more than a hobby, but a beautiful art and an activity that brings communities together around the world. Let's jump into it. Hey everybody, welcome to Damage Boost. I'm your host, Brock Holiday, and today with me I have Sam, aka D-Pad Gamer, and we're going to talk the Dark Souls series. How are you doing today? Pretty good. I'm ready to die. <laughs> yeah, so we had a discussion last week, and you said you wanted to do Dark Souls, and I was almost like, okay, that sounds great, and I don't know if I regret it or not. Should I? I mean, I don't think so. I don't know how to feel. It's it's rough. Yeah, well, we I told you that I really enjoyed complicated lore, and mm-hmm. this was like I, I described it as having a hundred and five degree fever while eating mushrooms and watching a Catherine Heigl movie, playing this game, <laughs> and yeah. I, that probably doesn't make any sense, but that's how I felt the entire time. I don't think that's the wrong way to feel. Like I I, I think they designed the lore to be. It's open-ended. You're supposed to take it in in bits and pieces, so to actually like, try to consume it in one big thing, I think, can be difficult, but it's it's trippy on purpose. We, we won't stay on lore too long, Yeah. but my big question is, do you think it was meant to be deeper, or do you think they kept it vague enough where people would just pretty much throw in their own meaning, philosophies, or whatever... And uh, you know they do less work, and the game grows in in that way. Yeah, I think the lore. It w- well, so it was made in. Okay, so if people don't know, the lore is conveyed in game through item descriptions and small bits and pieces from random NPCs. Most of which are just like you. They're essentially like in Dark Souls. They're these undead souls. So they're in, like, constant torment, and a lot of them just immediately, like, or not immediately, but sometimes they'll just, like, lose their mind. So what you get is very biased, and it's a lot of uh, grim and sort of uh, bleak sort of uh, viewpoints, but it's just a bunch of, it's like a bunch of humans trying to guess about the gods, and that's the idea, because in Dark Souls, you go from a, like, in each one, a little, like, an undead uh, creature... Uh, stuck in a prison, like, awakening from a graveyard, stuff like that, and eventually get to the point where you're literally killing gods. And I think the idea with the lore is that it's supposed to be so um, detached because you want it You want it to feel so, uh, like, majestic and uh, grandiose so that when you eventually get to that point where you like, like, oh my god, I'm actually killing the god that is, like, I heard about, like, 20 hours ago. And, like, that sort of progression, I think it's supposed to be uh, hard to consume in that way. Because it, it, it wouldn't be cool if, like, oh, yeah, Smith made this entire land, and I killed Smith. But, like, <laughs> if we add, like, a bunch of layers of obfuscation, or whatever that word is, it, like, it becomes more epic, you know? Yeah, no, and I, I like the way you described that. It makes me feel uh, a lot better about the way it's set up. Yeah. So, 
to kind of move away from lore so we don't have our minds melt, uh, what attracted you to the series? And I know we talked a little bit about what order you like the games in, in terms of playability, but what brought you to them? And which ones do you recommend for people who are experiencing it for the first time? Like, uh, being a brand new to the series, which one's going to break you less? Yeah, so I originally started playing the series because I watched my brother play the first one, and I was like, wow, this game looks like trash. Because, to be fair, even at the time, the graphics looked, and they still look, a bit, um, well, like, gritty on pur- like, it's on purpose, but it looks sort of jank in a way, because, like, it's not necessarily the highest fidelity game, but that's because they were... Like, if you ever look into sort of how they developed the game and how it was put together, it's it looks like it's made with paper mache and, like, popsicle sticks because they had such a huge, grandiose idea of, like, having this interconnected world. Um, it could be really hard to make that look good and run at 60 FPS. But when I did try it myself, I found that, like, the combat was, like, pretty fun. Uh, and, like, I died a lot, sure. But it, like, as I got into the series, I realized... Uh, what they wanted me to realize, which is every time you die, it's your fault, but that's not supposed to be something that makes you feel bad. It's It means every time you die, it's something to learn. Every enemy is a challenge to overcome. Uh, every enemy is a, a, uh, it's a set of parameters that you can sort of process, uh, which sounds sort of detached, but the idea is like you can like literally memorize every single animation and you'd be able to beat the game. Uh, but it's just like that, it's like that level or that uh, repeatability, that sort of framework felt really satisfying to me. Uh, when it comes to actually like trying to get into the series, it can be difficult, but I'd say don't start with Dark Souls 1 because while it was the first and it's cool, um, there was sort of like accessibility options and um, little minor gameplay tweaks that over time really made it good. Uh, so Dark Souls 3 is definitely like the souls to get into because Dark Souls 2 sucks. Uh, but the Bloodborne and the new one, uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, those three, Dark Souls 3 and the other two, are both, or they're all really good. And you can get in any of those. So it's about more down to, like, what you want. So if you want medieval, Dark Souls. If you want gothic horror, you got Bloodborne. And if you want shinobis and that sort of, like, East Asian uh, mythical lore, then you got Sekiro. I like the way you described how failure is okay in this game. Yeah. I think failure is a great teacher, Mm -hmm. and that's something, I don't know, maybe I hope people take away from this game, is that it's okay to fail, because guess what? You get to learn from it, and you're going to do better the next time. That's something, listening you describe it, I think I didn't appreciate when I was playing it, and whenever I get a chance to go back and play it again, I will definitely appreciate. Yeah. And you talked about Dark Souls 2 sucking, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Could you explain why, in your opinion, it sucks compared to uh, 1 and 3? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, Dark Souls 1 through 3, they were trying to uh, learn as they uh, go. So, what they did. So, for example, in Dark Souls 1, you don't have teleportation between bonfires until the like the last third of the game when you unlock an item and then that allows you to teleport. But you can only teleport to specific bonfires. And that was... It was great because of the way they laid out the world, uh, but it was really difficult because it made backtracking really um, really tedious and it took away some fun. So Dark Souls 2, 
they made it so that from the very first bonfire, you can teleport to any bonfire. And that's how they kept it from all for all future games, which is great. But for Dark Souls 2, um, rather than having a giant spread out world with interconnectivity where, um, like, in Dark Souls 1, the... I have, I'm blanking on the term all of a sudden. But there's that central bonfire, and you can go, like, four different paths, and those all lead to giant cool areas. Uh, when you look, like, if you ever zoom out, like, with dev tools, you would see the entire world is connected. In Dark Souls 2, it's still connected, but it's, there's these giant shifts where you'll get some cool sections, but you're going from, like, underground section, and then you'll take, like, a 20-foot um, elevator, and you'll be suddenly be, like, like, a thousand feet in the air. And I think they try to hand-wave that out with, like, oh, it's because the world is in flux and uh, time is sort of this weird construct and it's not really working right. But it feels it feels really jank in that regard. But also, um, when you actually well, for one, the graphics feel weird compared to Dark Souls uh, one and three. Um, I think it's just like the layout of the world doesn't feel satisfying because you're always returning to the same um, village essentially, which is nice. But something about it it just doesn't feel right. Like. It's hard to describe. I think it's because they were trying to go for this different formula of how they uh, have the character move around through the world, but it made it feel less grandiose and more contrived and um, tedious, I suppose. Makes sense. I, I, I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. Moving on to... That kind of leads me to a question to Dark Souls 3. So you think that one's much better. Are you satisfied with how they progressed... Uh, the gameplay and all that, and how they actually ended the series itself um, within those three. I know, obviously, you know the new one in the same. I guess you call it universe came out. Uh, it's not the same universe, but it is the same game, like almost game category. Because it's not like it's it's not necessarily its own genre, but it, it's becoming one uh, based on the success of the first three games. Um, I think, yeah, I think they ended it pretty well. Uh, Dark Souls 3 has, well, so all the game's DLCs were pretty good. Dark Souls 3, all the DLC was really good. Um, and while the, 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 I don't think the lore between the three really connect that much. They do connect a bit. Uh, Dark Souls 3 felt, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Dark Souls 2 actually had, I think, the best, no. Dark Souls 1 had the best ending in terms of, the lead-up, and then the final boss. Dark Souls 3 probably had the worst, unfortunately, because while it was a cool setup, essentially you're, you're going to the end of the universe where worlds are colliding, and you are fighting the... essentially the you know manifestation of fire, um, Lord of Cinder. Uh, it was just sort of boring, and they didn't do anything creative with it. So Dark Souls 1, how you, you basically travel down into almost the same thing, end of the world... Uh, that was better. Uh, but Dark Souls 3 is, I think, a good send-off because, uh, you know, all those tweaks they did throughout the three games was good. The bonfire traveling was well done. Uh, you know, the gameplay itself felt good. The multiplayer was good. They didn't try to make it easier, but I feel like they made it better. Like, even tiny things like, oh, being able to use multiple, uh, like, consumable items that give you XP at one time. Rather than having to click one, it kicks you out of your inventory, then go back and do it again and again and again. Uh, like tiny little tweaks like that, uh, I think really made it feel polished. So yeah, it's good. It's a good uh, sort of 
end of the series. Um, as you were describing that and uh, the ending with the bosses and everything, it made me think, and since you're my resident Dark Souls expert, yeah. I figured I'd ask you this. Do you feel that there was uh, Silent Hill influence to these games? And when I ask that, I mean uh, there's two bosses and three. Sure. One, and I don't know the names of anybody, so I'm going to do my best to describe them to you. There's the like, the prince, and then he like rides his handicapped brother. Oh, and, oh yeah, Prince uh, Lothric and his... Yeah, yeah. Yes, and then there's also... Those, those are just called Prince Lothric. Okay. And then there's the... Like princess and like she's like the has ice powers and there's the king with all the big bowl and it seems like he has lava. Oh, that, I think that's from a DLC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those those two in particular remind me of Dark or of Silent Hill Two, I think, where there's the basically a two backed monster from a and that was supposed to be from the girl who had been abused and it was like she was one side, her abuser was the other. I don't mm-hmm. know, they kind of had the same feeling to me. Um, I, my experience with, you know, Silent Hill 2 is pretty limited, but I would say, like, I don't think there's any connection between those, to be honest. But um, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if it feels similar, because Dark Souls throughout now five games total, like the Souls Born, Shadows Died Twice, whatever series, um, they've gone through so many crazy ideas. Uh, and that's probably one of my favorite things, is like, the bosses are just wacky, and I, it's like the only series that makes me go, oh god, like in terror when I see the monstro- <laughs> like the absolute disgusting monstrosity in front of me, um, and that's just great. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there was a connection. I guess uh, being older, I, I look for things that I do understand, especially with uh, uh, comparing things to Dark Souls because I don't understand what's going on, so I look for those outside uh, ideas to make me feel comfortable and safe. I guess. Yeah, sure. What are some things about these games that you really want to touch on that I haven't asked yet? Um, yeah, so the games, at least, it sort of fell off as it went, um, but they still do it a bit. Uh, it's hard to really appreciate the first time through because, and even for me, like anytime, like I've been recently playing Sekiro, so I'm going through these new areas. It's all fresh for me, and it's hard to sort of mentally picture where you are in the world uh or in the area but in dark souls one almost every time if you once you start to learn all the stuff and it's it's really difficult to get to this point but you'll realize they love to have you start at point a you go through this whole thing and it loops back and you find yourself back at point a and it's now like a sick like it's it's essentially like a cyclical level design because they want you to always funnel back to like, uh, Firelink Shrine is, like, the central point of Dark Souls 1. They want you to funnel back, but they also, like, it's like these tinier loops of, they want you to go through and suffer, but once you overcome this challenge, you have unlocked not only items, XP, and all that, but that you unlock a physical route that is easier and more convenient. Um, so it's really hard to actually get that aspect as you're playing it for the first time. Uh, but, like, as you go through it, you realize that they reward you and this sort of intangible way, which is just, like, spatial sort of superiority over the world, if that makes sense. Because, like, mm-hmm. like also, like, running past enemies and, and being, like, a scared child, <laughs> just like, like, oh, God, don't kill me, <laughs> is, like, a legit strat. And I f- feel like that doesn't get used enough. 
But, like, they sort of enable that because, for example, if you're down in a dungeon and you want to get to the boss, well, you'd usually have to go through a pack of rats and then, like, these, like, you know, poison traps and all this and stuff. But if, you, if you're exploring, you're going around every nook and cranny, you'll find, oh, there's a, you know, a broken ladder that I can kick down and then that becomes a nice little shortcut. So you're able to go from the bonfire straight to the dark, uh, the boss with almost no enemies, which basically rewards you for your for your challenges. Um, and not a lot of games do that. And that is a fantastic uh, aspect that the games have these days. With the newer ones, yeah, this, that cyclical mm-hmm. design isn't as grand. So it's not you're not always looping back to the same very beginning point. But um, they reward you with new bonfires, new you know travel or teleportation destinations. So um, it's that same idea. It's like you you've you have succeeded through the gauntlet. So here is convenience, and that is fantastic. Uh, did you enjoy the online aspect of three? Uh, yeah, a bit. I think three is actually the one. It's the only one I really try to get into, because Dark Souls two. And one, both they were bits iffy with how online felt. I think with three they had dedicated servers, so the connection was a lot better. But I always played on PC primarily, so I had to deal with hackers. And luckily, uh-huh. I never ran into them. But there were like hackers that were literally able to stab you, which would give you money, and you'd get so much money you'd get banned. <laughs> and it was like um, oh. <laughs> that sort of experience. That was rough. Uh, I can't imagine being victim to that. But um, Yes, Hackers yes. aside, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty great. Um, the newest game in the series right now, uh, Secure, doesn't have multiplayer, but I think it's fine because you still have those previous games. Uh, but I quite like it. I think it's really fun. My uh, my best friend and I play games online together all the time, and when uh, Dark Souls 3 came out, he really wanted to try it. He, he hadn't played any other ones. He's like, we got to play this. It's got online, multiplayer, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I think we got two hours into the game, and he was so pissed after the first boss that yeah. he quit the game, broke his disc, and has never played Dark Souls since. Damn. So that that's what 3 did to him. <laughs> I, just, I feel I've like... I've been trying to give him the play because it's not a bad game. You just got to realize that we talked about earlier, failure is okay. Yeah. That's rough. I, I could definitely understand that reaction, though, because... Depending on what you're... Well, one, depending on just, like, how you are with games. That could influence it. But depending on, like, your expectations going into it, if you expect this to be, like, oh, it's, like, an adventure game where I can just run through and I feel like a hero, like, you're you're going to be in for a surprise. And, like you, you, like, you could just be naturally talented and, like, get through a good chunk of the game. But they always try to have certain roadblocks. They're, like, even if you're a god at this game, you're going to have challenges. Um... So it's definitely not a game you're supposed to be ready to sit down and beat 30 bosses. Like, if I could beat one boss a session, that's great, but yeah. I think he was expecting more uh, fantasy Lord of the Rings style, um, where you're kind of, like you said, the hero, and you're going to knock down hundreds of enemies as you're going through this, and that's not what he got. (laughs) Yeah. Still to this day, I I was talking to him about uh, doing this with you, and he's like, you know, F that game. I don't want to ever talk about that game. Yeah, I I would I don't know how you would convince someone like that to get into the series. Maybe you could show them some higher level gameplay of like some sections of the game because so you could see well 
I guess it's like also because it's not just about throwing yourself against the game and hoping you win. It's also about that whole like I mentioned memorization of like uh, you know move sets, uh, that timing for parrying stuff like that. Um, but also it's like you're not supposed to be able to just face roll. You're supposed to like sort of seep in knowledge about all the tools, like every shield, every uh, you know consumable you have, every uh, you know movement option. Sometimes literally sprinting up to an enemy, turning around, sprinting away to bait out like a heavy attack. And then attacking, you know, that's a legit strategy. Sometimes, like, what people describe as cheese, like, constantly rotating in one direction around an enemy while rolling every third attack or something like that. Those are all legit strategies, and you're expected to sort of try all these things. Um, Or not try all of them, but, like, you're supposed to be open to using every single one. So, starting out, you don't know about any of that. You just, like, you can die from the first guy that shoots an arrow at you. Um, And that does suck. But it's like, I think if if they were to see that, you know, like what it's like to have a, if they see someone play that like has a grasp on it, they might sort of get that idea of like, oh, there is actually like a really cool system at play here. So, so when you say uh, like, I, I think you called it uh, cheesy and basically yeah. is a legit strategy. When they're developing these games that as one, two and three happen, do the developers, are they like, okay, we're okay with this when we, you know, create these bosses. Mm-hmm. We're gonna let these things happen. Or do you think they tried to stop it? They they definitely enable it. Uh, some of it is unintended. Like for example, I don't think it's supposed to happen exactly how it looks because it looks really jank. But like the I, I think it's the second boss of the game, uh, the Taurus Demon. I think that's the right name. Uh, he's uh, in the undead Berg. Uh, sort of standing over a uh, little uh, section of a wall. But the idea is you go out into it, and if you go too far, you initiate the fight, you get shot at from behind, from archers, which is horrible. That's such a bad experience because he's a he has a gigantic hammer, and he smashes you to death. But the thing is, if you go in there, you don't go too far, you don't, you don't you know, trigger the archers, you don't trigger the, the boss fight. If you turn around, there's a ladder. You go up, you kill the archers, you drop down, you have the option. It's a built-in. Now you can fight the guy cleanly, and but you could also, you have the option to cheese it, which is to run back, sprint, go up the ladder. As he comes up, if you wait too long, he will jump up and smash you. But you can jump off and do a plunging attack, which takes out like half his health, makes the boss really easy. And that's like the first thing of like, Sometimes it's not about just rushing in. Sometimes it's about going in there, analyzing the situation, and then looking for another way. But then also there is like literally a cheese method right in that fight where if you bait him into doing one of his attacks where he takes a step back, he could actually like fall right off the side of the bridge, which looks really jank and I don't think that's supposed to happen. But um, yeah, like there's like these built-in sort of cheese methods. Like later on in Dark Souls 2... Uh, there is a certain uh, armored knight who floats around and he's really difficult to fight. You fight him twice. Um, once where he's a surprise and once where you actually are in the arena. And in that arena, there are these um, uh, uh, giant uh, crossbow machines. I'm forgetting what they're called. But uh, if you rush in, you could actually get on one of those and, you know, like either totally kill him or like take out half his health instantly. If you just use the sort of like surroundings correctly, and it goes on and on. There's like I think 
not every boss, but like at least a fifth of the bosses have some sort of built-in mechanic, some way to gain the upper hand, uh, but it requires knowledge or skill or creativity. So yeah, it's like, there's many ways to approach these bosses. And then also there's always like the, the glitches and all that. I n- never would have guessed that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's also like, if you ever watched the speedruns where they, it's like, I think uh, there's a dude named Lobos Jr. He He's done some fantastic uh, content with Dark Souls and he has, I think, a series of cheesing every boss where he will use glitches and weird sort of setups to kill every boss in one hit or just sort of literally glitch them out of the map so they die instantly. Um, But yeah. What impressed me the most about, uh, unless you describe all that, is how much you retain from these games. Sure. Like, memorizing, you're describing this in great detail. Is it because the game makes you do that in order to beat it, or is that just a, a talent of yours? Um, I think it's more column A than column B, but it's a bit of both. Cause like the game requires you to, you're going to die. So it's like, all right, run in, go up ladder, kill archers, bait him, climb up, plunge, plunging attack, dodge through his legs. Like those sort of steps in that one boss I was describing for the Taurus demon. And I hope I'm not <laughs> remember the wrong name. Uh, that, that process you can ha- you sometimes you're forced to do that four, five, six, 20 times uh, because you'll just keep dying. Like sometimes you just won't have the right equipment. You'll just be down on soul. So you can't level up. So you're getting destroyed through your shield. Um, but also like, I am a very, very like visual learner and like I can, it's not like I don't have, I, I would never say like, Oh, I have a photographic memory, but it's like, I just can visualize quite a lot of the game and actually visualize running my character through it because I've done it so many times. I can visualize going all the way through the Undedberg. I don't remember every single location of every enemy, but like, oh yeah, there's the firebomb throwers there, and you take go across the path, and then there's a guy with a spear there, take a left, and then there's like an optional room on the right, and like all that stuff. Like, it's just like you, like that's a great thing about the game is like after a long time, you eventually sort of absorb all this information, so you can just like I'll just ignore that dude with the spear because it's not really necessary. I can if I sprint past this area, I won't get hit with the firebomb stuff like that. It's like. You're supposed to, the best of your ability, learn the roadmap, and then how you approach that like changes over time. Ultimately, through all this, I'm getting the you need to think outside the box in order to really enjoy this game, and I am not an outside the box thinker for the most part. Yeah, and I want also to say there, don't be afraid to actually watch other people's gameplay because. While this game is supposed to feel, at times, very, um, like, solitary, like, how they've implemented it over time of, like, multiplayer, so you could just, you're just sort of existing in a world where there's countless other parallel universes where other people are playing. In Dark Souls 1, you'll actually hear bells tolling. Every bell that tolls, uh, unless they changed it, is a character from another game hitting or, or triggering their bell. So, like, you're actually hearing someone else's bell, like, in real life. Um, That's so that awesome. I, they, yeah, it's, I, I was blown away when I heard that. And they might have changed that when you're playing, like, without multiplayer, but I'm pretty sure that's how that works. And the idea is, um, even though you're alone, 
you're not supposed to go it solo, I guess. So you should be open to getting that friend. Like the friend you described having difficulty with this, he should be open to, you know, watching a tutorial, watching a guide. Um, it's totally fine to admit that you have weaknesses. I've been looking up, you know, some bosses for Sekiro where it's like, dear God, I have no idea how to approach this. So that sort of the acceptance of death, the acceptance of weakness is really difficult, but it's like that's like the core fundamental thing that you got to really get into. So even if you're not like an out-of-the-box thinker, you can be a really systematic player where you you have this like sort of very core um, way you operate. Like like maybe it's like, okay, I'll, I'll go one enemy at a time, one door at a time, or maybe you, you know, learn a bit and then you become more of a dexterous one where you're just like rushing around and you focus on being reactionary. You're not even going to be creative, you're just going to be reactionary. So you have all these options. Um, but yeah, don't feel like you need to be one way or the other to sort of get into this game. I think all you got to be is open to death, you know? That's uh, oddly deep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when... Got, you, got a with, little bit too real. <laughs> well, well, with a game like this where you die so much, you, you have a lot of time to think during the loading screens, you know? Right, right, right. Um, so before we wrap this up, and uh, I, I honestly feel more appreciation for this game after talking to you. Yeah. Um, anybody who listens to this, I hope this kind of motivates you to try it if you haven't. Um, I I do own one and two. I do not own three mm-hmm. yet. Uh, I had to rent it in order to play it again. I think I'm going to go back and play one. I feel like I didn't have the right mindset when I uh, when I played these the first time through. And yeah. I will say you did a great job of just like presenting this uh, series of chaos and putting in a nice little present with a bow or I think I can open it and be okay with it. So I do appreciate that. But what are some other things you want to touch on before we end in today? Um, one thing is that it's on top of being open, all that it's also about the process. So I started out, I remember actually, I don't know why I remember, but it just like, it was burned into my memory. The first time all the way from Firelink shrine to, I think Undead Parish took me six hours, and these days I could do wow. it in about 12 minutes because, I mean, I'm not even like rushing through it, just like literally just f- killing the enemies and doing it. I could do it almost in one go, uh, unless I get like caught by an enemy. But yeah, it was six hours, and um, that sort of, that that killed me inside when I sa- saw someone do it in like, oh my god, they did it in an hour? But then I was like, oh wait, an hour is not that much. It's like, it's it's totally fine to be bad, <laughs> like, but... <laughs> Once you actually like give it another go, yeah, I think if you if you give it another go, I I would be shocked to hear that you don't have an easier time with certain enemies. Um, but I guess also the weird the game is really great at giving you nostalgia mid game, you know, because it's like um, the way they do it. It's like you start to f- see these patterns, which honestly they do like reuse certain animations, certain move sets at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this thing where they'll do they'll take an enemy or a boss so for example there's there's a boss with a couple of uh, doggos in its arena and they it just slashes you to pieces it reminds me of pyramid head but um that boss is later used as 
just a random high level normal character that you find later on so it's like on top of that progression of like this is how far i've come it's like oh my god i remember this and it's like yeah they'll sort of just throw this out of nowhere where it's like oh like they're they're reincorporating things which to be fair could just be um saving on budget saving on like the sort of effort of making a new enemy but it's cool because you find like these sort of synchronicities like these sort of like parallel i don't know how to really describe it but it's like this this that sort of nostalgic feeling of like remembrance but it's like during the same game even though you've never experienced it more than once i think it's really cool um but even i will say it this game still pisses me off sometimes like this, <laughs> the series as a whole like secure has been so rough because like like there's like certain enemies that are just one of them is literally called a shinobi killer, and you are shinobi. And God, yes, he he stands up to his name. Uh, he 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 would just destroy me. But I I eventually found a way to sort of power through. Um, but yeah, I would make me end up buying that game too. <laughs> I I mean I think it's really good. I think it's it's actually really really good. I I don't know how it's gonna end. I don't know if there's a new game plus. I don't think there is. But it's like just going through it, like, the lore is much nicer. The fact that you don't choose what your character looks like. You play as a character, a child, you know, sort of taken away from a battle, uh, or the aftermath of a battle, and you're called the, uh, the, uh, you're the lone wolf, but at first you're a pup, uh, and you're basically, um, turned into the shinobi. Uh, you start to get a feel for the character, something you don't get from the other games. So it's like, nicer knowing that oh every time i'm dying that's not me dying that's this character i love dying um <laughs> and also when these these characters will run into you like oh, you're the shinobi you're you're the, the the divine heirs shinobi it's like there's that level of like ooh i feel special um so that's sort of the the they've done a great job of like the story aspects elevating the experience um and also like their systems of like leveling up and, and acquiring skills and this this go around feels I think at times more rewarding. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I don't know when I'll beat it, but probably within the next week or so. What? That sounds amazing. It sounds like even though dark souls is over, what they're doing post it is going to be better. I or keep getting better, which makes me feel good. Uh, Gaming as a whole, because we need more good games. <laughs> it just felt like definitely there's been a drought in the last year of you know. Obviously, we had the big ones come out, but it just doesn't feel like we get as many as we as we used to. I, I understand and I can see what you mean, but I would disagree with that observation of gaming. It's mm-hmm. hard to really appreciate the games that come out. There's been ones that I've missed, but. Like, you mentioned, like, the, the big ones, Red Redemption to you know, God of War, um, mm-hmm. the, the new Nintendos, uh, all that. But then, like, the indie stuff, like, there's some real fantastic ones, like, just random shout-out, Baba Is You. It's a puzzle game. It's, like, 12 bucks on Steam. Actually really good. Really, really creative. Uh, it's an indie one, but it's, like, oh, my God, it's, like, a nice puzzle game. Uh, like, the, like, Tetris, um, Tetris 99. It's it's goofy and it's a battle royale Tetris game which sounds super dumb but it's like actually really good. 
So it's like, it can be hard to really appreciate all the new games come out, or games that are coming out. And not everyone's fantastic, right. but like, I do think, I don't think that we're you're getting less games. I think it's just harder to appreciate every single one because there's so many being thrown at us. There's so many different random shovelware just getting dumped on the Steam and Switch's uh, library. Yeah, I was going to say, how, um, what would you recommend to do to people uh, like myself who aren't as plugged in to the community to find those indie games that, you know, are gems out there that we, we have you know, there's no advertising for it. We don't necessarily talk to people who know. Is there a way to find those gems without having to really dig for them? Short answer? Not really. <laughs> I, I mean, the answer is you want to... I think this goes for almost anything. Movie reviews, game reviews, book reviews. You want to find... Because in this day and age, YouTube is so prevalent. I would actually suggest finding like uh, some YouTubers that cover indie games that you like, that you sort of vibe with, how they like, oh, like the kind of games they're into, I'm into. So naturally, if they cover a lot of games, you'll start to sort of get those indie games through osmosis. Um, like as an example, there's like um, Dark Souls YouTubers or Dark Soul YouTubers. So um, Vati Vidya. He does lore videos, but he is the reason I even knew about Sekiro because he was covering it like early on and it was like a sponsored thing. But the idea is if you sort of start to follow these, it doesn't even need to be a YouTuber. It could be like a a journalist, just a blogger or whatever. But if you like follow these people that like sort of are really tuned into the games that you're interested in, I think naturally you're going to get like a good sort of flow of games in a way that can be like accessible because um, they might cover more than you could play, but you're likely to get at least a few, or like one or so a month that you might be interested in, you know? Yeah, that's that's uh, that makes sense. That's how kind of how I got back into uh, Nintendo was finding you, uh, Bandy, and uh, Chari5 is, you know, saw your guys' videos, really like the games you were playing. I'm like, oh, they're saying this game and that game. So, yeah. oh, I definitely understand what you mean, and I... I We'll definitely uh, try to do that uh, when I uh, get back to watching more Dark Souls video. Yeah, definitely. So, I really appreciate your time again. I can't express how much you made me appreciate this game that I didn't before we started uh, recording this. I'm glad. So, thank you for that. No problem. This the series is great, and if I could do anything to sort of help people get at least a little bit different perspective, I think that's a success. Um, but I'm glad. All right, where can uh, people find you at? Uh, YouTube.com slash dpadgamer is where I throw up videos. And Twitter is the same, you know, same name is where I throw up garbage. Uh, and that's basically it. All right, and I can be found at Twitter at RockHoliday11. And uh, that's it. Be good people.